0: Alright, welcome in episode 169 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Ryder Cup this weekend, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina with Mike Anthony, in a wild card picture with your boy Mike as well. Plenty to get to. Midtown Sports Girl, the title sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 912 349 6350 4521 Habersham Street. Facebook and Instagram, Midtown Sports Girl, your place in Midtown Savannah. To find all the sports, all the food, full bar, uh, lunch specials every day. We got music, trivia, anything you could want over there at Midtown. Tell them the Hawker's podcast sent you and, uh, Will and Summer will hook it up for you over there. Ask for Ashley, the bartender. Um, we got a lot going on over there. It's a cool spot at Midtown. So check them out and tell them that we sent you. All right. We got a lot of stuff on the line here. America and Rome, Georgia and Auburn. Couple battles to talk about. Let's get after it for a 169th time, Hot Threads podcast. nobody This boy, I hate LeBron James. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee.
1: Drop them hot like me, just like me. nobody gonna do it like me.
0: roll out come on bam. you over there you over there oh, y'all come on now do your, do your do them Time go to but first gotta some have gotta have y'all know how we do it baby
1: Coming
0: out of, of three alright it has not gone well it has not gone well in Rome the Americans are playing in Rome uh, in the Ryder Cup and they haven't won there in 1,000 years more specifically since 1993 um, i had this hype all ready to go we were ready to get pumped up to beat the euros in rome
1: Brian harman st simon's island georgia rookie this is a great new opportunity and these are the 12 guys that are gonna push to achieve the main goal which is strictly to keep the cup here in the united states
0: honor pride and country are bigger forces forces which in the unique golfing arena of
1: the Ryder cup search the souls of these refined technicians for a more primal proof of their greatness to say i'm excited about these gents would be an understatement they check all the boxes fierce competitors great versatility great flexibility when it comes to pairings when it comes to fit for marco simoni Great fit for each other, so we'll be ready to go. He's made for this. Shacklet continues to apply the pressure.
0: That is a really good turn.
1: We're going to do it together. We're going to do it with high character. We're going to do it with class. We're going to do it with the integrity that the Ryder Cup deserves. Never, never, never be anybody on that team can beat anybody on the other team. That's match play. That's the Ryder Cup.
0: Yeah, well, that didn't really happen. Didn't really happen. The Americans got torched in the morning wave of the, of day one. They did not win a match until Brian Harmon and Max Homa did so in session three. Um lot left to be desired with the Ryder Cup. We'll talk about that fully next week. But in the meantime, let's get you guys to my conversation with Mike Anthony. and turn Mike, we go for like 40 minutes. First 12 minutes, I think, are on NL wild wildcard. And then a lot about Georgia Southern as they take on Coastal Carolina. That game is complete by now. But Mike and I talk a lot about the program as a whole, Georgia Southern. kind of Where they go if they win, where they go if they lose. So we'll time travel now back to Thursday night to Mike and I's conversation. And for the rest of you guys, if you're not staying around for that, we'll see you uh, next week. For MLB playoffs, the Braves are in the playoffs. We will ha- know their opponents, and they will play game one of the National League Division Series on October 7th. All right, until then, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. All right, Mike Anthony back now. Uh, intern of the year, I believe. 2018 Intern of the Year, 2019 runner-up. 2020 COVID year. And then third-team All-American intern for the last three years.
1: Mike Anthony, how you doing? Doing pretty well. By that count, I've got, what, about six more years eligibility? It
0: depends if you go to school in Conway, South Carolina, or not, um, I believe. Uh, and we will talk about Conway, South Carolina, and Coastal Carolina, and Georgia Southern. Uh, that's why you're on here, Mike. But I guess our plan was to – we'll touch baseball whenever the Phillies wildcard series is done. Uh, whenever that series ends which i think is like october 5th 6th something like that somewhere in there because nlds game one is october 7th so but we will start like and just say if you have any baseball takes mike i'll let you get them off um and then i'll update the people on our uh four four teams that we picked to win the world series in our top four draft earlier Um, What what do you got by way of MLB takes? I'm assuming it's Phillies based.
1: Well, uh, I would say just overall based. I think uh, my biggest take is that I know that there are a lot of detractors for expanding the playoffs and uh, letting more teams in now up to three wild cards. And I get it. Like it doesn't look all that sexy to see a team go in at 83 wins and what 79 losses, Mm. but it keeps more teams in it, you know, um, there's there's not as many teams tanking. You've got more teams that might have a chance to get hot in September. That might choose to get a guy at the deadline, or at least retain the team they have. And you know, now you look at what's going on in both the wild card races. The the Phillies have clinched, but it's still the the Reds, and Marlins, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, and then in the West, you've got the Astros and Mariners all battling it out. So I think it's made it more exciting.
0: It has made it more exciting, and. I think you'd agree with me, like, okay, Marlins, Reds, Cubbies up until the last few days, um, you know, all these teams, like, they're not national stories. They're not taking, but in those markets, I imagine it's been a nice, fun story for the last, what, three months, basically. It's been like five teams, even San Francisco for a minute, Um, the Diamondbacks for sure, like, we're not talking Diamondbacks baseball. Right, but in Arizona, I imagine it's been pretty cool to have that. And um, I mean, Milwaukee's been there before. They're sort of past that, right? I, I think so. Like um, they expect to be there. Uh, well,
1: yeah, and they they've already clinched the division. Yeah. I think really they they didn't have anyone come and take it from them. That, that's gonna I think, show. I think Reds,
0: Diamondbacks, Marlins—those three teams being in it as late as they are. Is Those are the three best stories in the National League for sure,
1: right? I, I totally agree. And with all three of them, you have a situation where all three are still alive going into the final weekend of the season. And if it were a few years ago where you had just one wild card, you would have three great stories on three non-competitive teams, at least in terms of making the postseason. You had Arias who was looking like he might challenge 400 for most of the year for the Marlins. Yeah, Ellie De La Cruz, who is probably the the biggest uh, flashiest rookie call up this yeah, year for the Reds. Yeah, since he football got started, nobody's really talking about that shit. Right, right, but I'm saying that at least now you still get a little bit more of that story because yes. the teams are still in the in the playoff hunt. All those stories would have gone away. Same with the Diamondbacks. Zach Allen looks like he's going to get the uh, the Cy Young. That would have just been oh, good pitcher on a bad team. We've seen that a million times. Wait a Maybe second. Wait stop, a second. Uh, Zach
0: Allen's going to win the Cy Young.
1: I think he would. I, I mean, I know I I'm not being biased S- against Strider. I thought it was
0: Snell and Strider.
1: Well, yeah, Snell has been so good, but Gallon. I mean, he. Uh, I don't know. Uh, game one. If I game vote,
0: one. I, uh, no, no. Game for your life, Mike. You gotta. You gotta start one. Strider, Snell, Gallon. Sure.
1: Ah, uh, hey,
0: game. Game uh, for your life.
1: Well. Well, Only one of them has pitched well in a World Series before, so I guess I'd go with Snell.
0: Okay, now what about a game for your life? That was the game of your life. What about game for your life?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were doing game for Okay,
0: that life. was game for your life. Now do game of your life. Game of your life, who are you start? Uh,
1: well, Strider's got the biggest upside. Like you're saying game of your life, like you get to pick a guy with his best stuff? Yeah, it's your list. Yeah, I mean, when I say, when I think game of your life, it's, who can go down or go out there and just absolutely shut a team down, don't have to worry about it. And if Strider's got distribute the both fills. his pitches working if he's got both of them working, it's tough for anyone to touch it. Uh
0: who who do the Phillies fans um like what what are they talking about as far as their rotation for the wild card series? Who have they set it up
1: yet? Yeah, they actually uh they, they clinched the uh, playoff berth and the top wild card seat on the same night. They yeah, got I know, but I'm saying, has
0: Thompson said anything about like, okay, it's
1: definitely going to be Wheeler in Game One. He's uh, we're, we're doing this Thursday afternoon, and he'll pitch Thursday night. It keeps him on schedule. He likes going on regular rest. He doesn't want extra rest, so that sets him up perfectly for Tuesday. And then you have to imagine it's going to be Nola. I know he hasn't had the best year, but he's had two good starts down the stretch. He looked great. Uh a couple nights ago, so it's going to be those two. And then you have a question. Ranger Suarez hasn't been as good as last year. Um, they've got Taiwan Walker, who's got about 15 wins, but he's been up and down as well. So I really think that they're, uh, they're putting all their eggs in the 1-2 Wheeler NOLA basket, hoping that'll get them to the NLDS, and that'll allow them to kind of reset and figure things out and start from the top again.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I know Braves have one eye on the Phillies. Braves fans do. I mean, um, and I, and look, I'd imagine the Braves themselves have one eye on the Phillies. If the playoffs started today, National League entering Thursday, uh, Marlins versus Brewers, six versus three matchup. The winner of that would play the Dodgers. Uh, five at four would be Diamondbacks at Phillies. Uh, the winner of that would play the Braves in a game one starting October 7th. Um, so Braves fans obviously would be want to, you know, we were just talking about it. Look, Zach Gallen right there with the Diamondbacks, like if the Diamondbacks do something dumb in advance past the Phillies. I don't see that happening. And if they do it in a crazy way where they where Gallen can somehow start game one against Atlanta, things can sort of get slippery for the Braves there because without Morton, uh, with Elder getting pissed on of late, Freed, how, freed with the blister.
1: Exactly. How on top of his game is he gonna be? Even if he's otherwise healthy, you know, right. you've seen it. When you get to that top level, you can't just take fifteen days off, which is kind of what you have to do if you've got quote unquote lingering blister. Right. Issues. The
0: ideal thing is go out and throw seventy-five to ninety.
1: Right. And but that's exactly what you can't do if it's a chronic blister thing. You can't
0: well yeah, and there's no like it's not like you throw a hundred pitches, it's more likely to it's just it could just happen at any time. Um all right, mm-hmm. let's that's blister talk here on Hot Grits podcast. <laughs> um to update the fans quickly, uh my four teams to win the World Series and to beat Mike in the uh battle for who is baseball guy, Atlanta Dodgers, Blue Jays. And then I traded the Padres for (laughs) the Cardinals. Uh, So I have Braves, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Cardinals. Michael has Astros, Phillies, Mariners. He traded and got the Brewers for the Yankees, which was a really good trade.
1: It's all about those deadline acquisitions. Yeah, it does. Smart stuff doesn't have to be flashy. Doesn't have to be a big splash, but you you just do what you got to do to get to that. Person. And I imagine
0: that your intern staff, as an intern here for Hawkers, you have your own intern staff, and I imagine um, they did a lot of advanced scouting for you.
1: Yeah, one of them's trying to break through a door on me right now. Hey, Mike, Georgia Southern's three and one,
0: and I think Sugar Bowl is still in play. What about you?
1: Uh, well, you know, if they keep on winning, it's going to be tough to deny them.
0: Dude, Clay Helton is. I don't have a read on this guy yet. I mean, not, not X's and O's. I'm talking about personality. I I don't, Mm -hmm. what's his, like, what's his stick? I don't, I don't know what he is.
1: Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, I'm a huge college football fan. I, you know, covered obviously I've been a big fan since way before I was writing about it, but I've always just been about the teams and maybe the history of the team, never so much about the coaches and the coaching trees and the coaching families and where they come from. And, one thing I couldn't wrap my head around was I knew who Clay Helton was, but he was always just kind of the guy left picking up whatever mess the previous USC coach yeah, you a know, had left. Yeah, just a two first
0: name guy. Just a two first name white guy.
1: Right. But but all I heard was him getting dumped on by fans and media alike yes. when he got canned at USC, and then everybody panning Georgia Southern for getting him because A, it couldn't be more of a polar opposite than uh, you know trying to run the triple option, and B everyone thinking that he can't recruit and that, uh, you know, he's just going to be a waste of a coach. But from what I've seen, I think he's just home. You know, he was making obviously a lot more money in Southern Cal, but you, you, you know people with money and you know people that might have won a big prize. You know, there's some nice things that some people just have no interest in. And I really think that living in the Hollywood Hills and having perfect weather and uh, all the money in the world, yeah, no one's going to be miserable about it, but I think that he's just as happy getting on his uh tractor and mowing a few acres and sweating up a storm and then eating a burger and being back home in the south. And I think that's yeah. kind of the vibe that I get from him. Yeah. It's not a good old boy thing, but just he's comfortable. It's no, where he came from. Mike,
0: all of that is like all of that is true. What that is what we're seeing. I just don't I'm not convinced that if that's Clay Hilton. Like he, I every single press conference i watch with them every week there's obviously bj gives them specific like talking these are talking points of the week like this is what you might be asked you know stuff like that and it's like the same answer on every question and and that's not that unusual like coaches are typically uninterested with the midweek media teleconference phone call you know yeah. with the, like that's not unusual i don't know we've yet to see him walk into a press conference and do something notable. Is it? Would you agree with that? Like,
1: uh, I, I mean, yeah I, yeah, I see what you're like saying. With, but a, I don't think his personality is to create a stink. I don't think he's trying to cut any WWE no, no, but promo at, videos. At some
0: point, they're going to play like shit, or somebody's going to disrespect them. I'm not calling for him to do a Ryan Day. Yeah. Like, I don't want him to take down an old man like Ryan Day did. But, like... I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to me. It, it means nothing.
1: Yeah, I think that what you're digging at, what you would have gotten, or you would have gotten what you're looking for, if uh, Davis Broom would have gone out there last week and thrown four more interceptions, right. And right? Win or lose, you would have actually had the answer to that because you know a couple weeks ago Clay Helton did get that one free one. A you turned around a team real quick with players and win totals and all that, so you you had some house money to play with. Then you have a guy who comes out, looks the part of replacing Kyle Vantries, but he has an absolute, I don't know what to call it, just brain fart of a game. And he throws five picks, but hey, you lost to a Big Ten team on the road that you weren't supposed to beat. So, yeah, you're going to get the canned answer of, well, you know, we've seen a lot of him. We believe in him. Everybody has bad days. Now, if you go out and throw up a second one in a row, I think that's what you were getting at, is he would have had to say something more than a canned answer. But – he went out and threw four touchdowns. They won going away, so now he gets to go right back to cliche land for another. I
0: week. tell you what I liked is that, and first off, let's let's address something at the top. Ball State is not; a they state. have to be one of the worst. They have to be one of the worst teams in all of FBS. I don't know that I've ever been more unimpressed with an environment, a program, with the the players. Were terrible. Ball State is like for them to be compared to. I think UAB beats them by twenty one plus. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know they're near each other in the SP plus. They're near each other in the in the one through one thirty three rankings. Um, Mike, get the doorbell later. Get the get your Sorry. get your Taco Bell Door Dashed later, Mike. I, I told man, you,
1: man. I've got I've got two children in the house. When I hear that thing, I don't know if food is coming or if people are escaping. No,
0: that's your number seven from Taco Bell, dude. that's where you that's where you say something like no it's a
1: I well I I don't like Taco Bell I I live Manos I do not live yeah yeah, I believe you
0: oh yeah I remember the top four fast food draft where I kicked your ass in
1: that um
0: but like Ball State was brutal that quarterback that freshman quarterback was terrible I'm so glad we didn't have to see Lane Hatcher again you remember Lane Hatcher
1: yeah, why wouldn't you put in the one guy who's actually proven that he can beat Georgia Southern? Do you know how Lane Hatcher
0: and I are, are connected?
1: Uh, are you blocked by him as no, well?
0: No, and I, I don't appreciate that tone.
1: Oh, I finally got blocked for the first time by somebody. No way. Okay, yeah. put
0: that in your nut pocket for a second. Put it put in your nut pocket for a second. Lane Hatcher and I are tied to each other because he was the quarterback for Arkansas State when I tweeted the quit tweet that Georgia Southern had quit.
1: Oh, yeah. You remember that?
0: When Todd Bradley Lynn just posted a photo of a clown, he quote tweeted, my tweet was a photo of a clown. <laughs> and Chad Lunsford was – he was like, you come at me. That's basically what he tweeted at me. Who was the O-line uh, coach? Of Ron Hudson, was that his name?
1: That, yeah, that was definitely a offensive line coach that Georgia Southern cycled through. It might have been that year. Yeah, he
0: sucked. I mean, that, that offensive line sucked, so – wasn't good. Yeah. So Ron Hudson didn't quit, he got fired, but um he, he dude, it was like seven minutes after the game ended that he had quote tweeted me. And <laughs> I was like, Damn, dude, if you guys put this much attention into the game plan, you might not have fucking lost.
1: You know what, to double back really quick, that might be the personality trait that uh Clay Helton does or does not have that previous coaches and players on this team haven't, and that's what's making the difference. Clay Helton, not terminally online. And,
0: and yeah, this whole team doesn't feel – it doesn't feel like they're doing the thing where it's like everyone hates us.
1: Yeah, they like to talk. They like to have fun, but they don't have those rabbit ears up all the time. And
0: you know why? It's because there's so many transfers on this Georgia Southern team. They're about to play Coastal Carolina. They don't have – most of these players don't have two shits what Mo Bamba is or what that game was. They have no – they've never been to Conway, um, most of them, like – They don't have any idea about the rain game, the triple overtime game. Like this isn't like, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Mike, but like with this many new players, a Sunbelt game for them, like it can't feel that much different going into Mm -hmm. it than, than UAB or somebody
1: like that. Yeah. I'm all for traditions and respecting everyone that came before you, but I'm also more about winning. So we can worry about how to treat everything and speak of everything appropriately after the well, fact. Well, you think, wow, it's it's w- the- think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get some old heads that want to see you do it the right way, but, you know, whatever. There's plenty of time. I actually would love to argue about that with everybody because that means that you're not too worried about the actual product on the
0: field. Right. I think, like, when they think of Grayson McCall, they don't have memories of him, like, torching them and Clay Helton, that's been obviously a talking point this week, is how many times can I praise Grayson McCall? And I think it's him basically saying to his team all week in the media, you know, and I say quote unquote media, ESPN plus and like two other outlets, uh you're telling your team the whole week, like, look, there's one way we can lose this game, and it's if we let this quarterback go off. Other than that, we're gonna win. So don't, N- not don't mention, take this guy for granted.
1: Not to mention that they've only faced Grayson McCall once. He was injured the first two times. Oh, yeah. Good point. They had him, and they had him beat last year until, you know, uh, a bullshit pass interference uh, penalty keeps the game alive. And then, you know, a guy gets hurtled trying to stop a run at the very end. I mean, Grayson McCall, he didn't play a bad game, but he didn't beat Georgia Southern last year, and he's got even less to work with this year. I love corn. Good points all the
0: way around, Michael. Um, I need to circle back and collect your nug. If you don't mind, who'd you get blocked
1: by? Uh, I got blocked by the College Football Hall of Fame. Whoa, that's a Apparently, good poll. Apparently, they just don't, don't want to hear anything good about Urk Russell. Dude. Although, probably want to hear less about me calling them cowards.
0: Mike, I just got probably... off uh, like a 25-minute phone interview with somebody from the Hall of Fame. I'm doing a story. It's up by now if you're listening to this episode on... Paul Johnson's uh, locker exhibit at the hall of fame. It's actually a pretty funny story. He's going in, Paul Johnson's going in to the hall of fame, the same class as Mark Richt. Um, you know, and those two guys had kind of like funny little media wars over the years at Georgia and Georgia tech. I, my story is for the purposes of Georgia Southern, but they're, go, they're in the same room, right? Mike for the rest of time in this hall of fame and there's two other coaches, mm-hmm. And so I asked, I was like, okay, so is Paul Johnson next to Mark Rick. And the guy said, no, actually we put the other two coaches in between them and they're Mark Rick's and Paul Johnson's are actually further apart from the other. T- like there's a little extra space in between them to signify the hate between Georgia and Georgia tech. Isn't that cool? <laughs> uh, like they do I like all it. that, but Eric Russell's not in.
1: Yeah. How do you have that much consideration for, uh, you know, planning your guests at your or the table seatings at your wedding party or whatever, and then you don't invite someone who should really be there?
0: (laughs) Actually, there's a clip. Josh Aubrey asked Paul Johnson about this, about Eric Russell. I'm going to throw the clip in here, Mike. Um, I don't know if you remember in January when Paul Johnson was announced that he was going into it. There was like a 20 minute presser and there, you know, you can find this on YouTube, the whole thing. But Aubrey asked him at the end of this thing, um, any thoughts on Eric Russell not being eligible for the Hall of Fame? Um, and here's what Paul Johnson had to say.
1: Well, you know, I guess they have to set the rules in some in some manner, and and you know, that's probably above my pay grade. Certainly he would be deserving. I mean, you look at what he accomplished and and all he did. And but, you know, I guess they have to have a set of rules or else you know, it's, it would make it impossible for them. So, uh, it certainly, he would be deserving to be in. There's no question about that. All right. So Mike,
0: there's Johnson, basically in in classic coach, Paul Johnson fashion, kind of just giving you the answers on all sides. He says, you know, they they do have to have rules, draw the line somewhere, um, and all this stuff. But then he goes on to say that if you're going to have a hall of fame with coaches, there is nobody, more deserving than Eric russell so it's tough to you know reconcile the two blah 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 um but for you to get blocked by them did you did you tweet at them or something
1: well like i said i called them cowards on twitter but that's i mean yeah but that's a little testy i mean i didn't even cuss that. wait all right um i i i believe it was i'm paraphrasing myself but it was something very close to uh let in you cowards
0: Uh, I'm going to look it up here, Mike. Um, Do you want to talk to the people about your favorite memories of Coastal Carolina? Or actually, we could talk about this, Mike. Jalen White coming off of injury. Um, Bo Johnson going down. Uh, Let's see. What else? Keaton Upshaw left the game early. Uh, But everything else seems to be okay. The offensive line seems to be all right. Is there any, like... um, they did get um, sacks against the Ball State, Mike, and you know I've been on them about that, about never getting a good pass rush. Um, I think this week will be more telling than last week as far as – because McCall is a little shifty in there, but he's not going to like – like he got sacked seven times against UCLA, I think. Or against Georgia State, maybe. Um, so I think that's a key to, to stopping McCall is like you're going to have to get after him. They don't really have a lot of dudes that scare you on the outside, right?
1: Right, they've got Pinckney, um, the uh, wide receiver, started at Georgia State, uh, now transferred to Coastal Carolina. He's easily one of the
0: top Yeah, he's a stud. Never mind.
1: Yeah, top receiving threat, one of the top receiving threats in the entire Sun Belt. But you are correct in that they do not have nearly the complement of weapons that McCall was used to uh, the last two or three years. And I think that what you're seeing is McCall, he's a gamer. Like, I, I get on him about getting hurt. Honestly, I had way more to say about Jamie Chabwell last year, allowing McCall to play hurt with obvious head injuries um, a couple times during the season. But McCall, I got nothing against. Uh, He's a gamer. He's going to go out there and play hard. He's smart. I think that he's running less, not because he can't do it, but because he's probably a little bit concerned for the shots he's taken. He knows that he doesn't have the help where he can just flip it out into space and an NFL caliber tight end is going to be there like he had before. Yeah, I think he's approaching wiley veteran status of uh being able to diagnose a play and just get out of bad ones, maybe make a play once or twice a game instead of ten times a game and you know, see uh see what he can do there. I think what, what really is gonna be the issue is this is still a very bad at best Coastal Carolina defense. Uh if they get into a shootout, I just don't know if uh McCall as good as he is, as experienced as he is, I don't know if he's gonna have enough weapons to keep up with Georgia Southern and track meet all day.
0: No, they, they don't. And look, the line tells you that Georgia Southern should win your eyeballs tell you Georgia Southern should win the saber metrics tell you Georgia Southern should win. Um, Mike, it sounds like this thing is going to be a historic attendance number at Paulson stadium. Um, I'm not a weather guy, but the weather looks like, knock on wood, like it looks like it could be geese. Um, if all of that turns out, Georgia Southern at home, NFL Network, sold out stadium, seven point favorites, three and one to start and Coastal Carolina beats them. What kind of, what, what are we talking about here in Statesboro? It feels like a win over Coastal Carolina being being expected, like actually expected. That hasn't happened in a minute now. That hasn't happened basically since 2018, like 19 toss up game, 20 toss up game, 21. You thought mm-hmm. coastal Carolina probably. Yeah, I mean, uh, like they need, they, it's like, it feels like coastal Carolina is ripe for an upset until you look at the actual matchup. Like Georgia Southern has every advantage. They, like, if they lose this game, there's going to be some pissed off fans.
1: You're right. And I think that, um, that, that's really what you have to look at when you talk about program building, when you talk about h- how you get past uh, just winning games every once in a while, maybe getting ranked, maybe getting a few extra minutes on uh, college game day uh, before your next game. It really has turned into such an overall experience in the college game that it's not enough to just win games. It's not enough to just have impressive stats. It's kind of about the vibes because – Everybody is, aside from Clay Helton apparently, so terminally online that no one cares that you just won. It's got to be, well, how did you look when you won? Are enough people talking about the fact that you won? Who did you uh, who did you beat? How are they taking it? Are they sore about it? Was there a big celebration afterwards? Did the field get stormed? I mean, are, are you with me? I really think that it's one thing to be good, but you've got to have that. X factor and that X factor, uh, screw Elon Musk, but is now what, how you rank on X.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to bleep. I'm gonna have to cut that part out. Sorry, Elon.
1: Are, are you guys funded by Amazon? Or? No,
0: Elon is actually, uh, he contributes 99 cents a month to the Hog. He's a, um, supporter of the Hoggers podcast. Sorry about that, Elon. Gotcha, he listens gotcha. every week. Um, he's a big Savannah state guy. Actually, uh, Georgia Southern mm. three and one start for the third time in the last four years, Mike, but the last two times, they started three and one. They lost to coastal Carolina. That's what I mean. It, it would kind of be like that. Oh, here we go again. I think if they lose to the coastal, no one's going to say like, Oh, fire Helton or this team stinks. But you're, if they lose to the coastal, you could just chalk up another six to seven one season, which is okay. But right now, the ceiling is much higher than that. And if you beat coastal, Mike. You got you, you got to buy and at Jimmy Madison, and then ULM ahead of that Georgia State game. That Georgia State game is looking more and more like it could be an absolute showdown. Uh, they're undefeated, Mike. The Panthers are.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously, don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But as far as the like Coastal the last has few, three to
0: be the start of it, is what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, and as far as the last few three and one starts go, I honestly don't think that anyone not firmly entrenched in the Georgia Southern football program could have told you, A, that they had had three and uh, one starts in the last four that years. Was my nugget. B, that was my nugget. Who beat them? Yeah. Uh, so I think that they just – people want to win. People want to get you know fired up about the team. I think that's the only concern right now. I don't think that there's any talk of, oh, uh, Coastal Carolina is the – the combo breaker. no they're not like that. Mike, that's
0: not what I'm, sa- I'm saying it's going if they lose it's going to feel like yeah, here we go again you're
1: right yeah if yeah. they win it's going to feel really like nothing, not nothing their... f-
0: like nothing that's happened yet like four yeah. and one one and oh that start going into the bye that's we're going to have 14 days to talk about the limits of the, like this team winning a sunbelt title
1: you're right. And if James Madison, I don't know who they have this weekend, I, I believe they start Sundell play as well. Yeah, they do. But, you know, if, uh, assuming that they can win and they come in there uh, with uh, their record and everything they did last year, and they still have the talking point of, you know, not being eligible yet again for either the conference championship or a bowl game, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder saying, you know, hey, we're proving we belong. And Georgia Southern's going to have that chance to do what they did last year and say, uh, you know, not not so fast. We still got your number, and God forbid they do that and start off five and one. You know, now it's Georgia Southern that starts looking at those polls and seeing how many others receiving votes uh, they can get.
0: Um, South Alabama at James Madison this weekend, the top five teams Ooh, in the Sun Belt East, Georgia State, Jimmy Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall, Georgia Southern, 16-3 and three combined record for those teams overall. Yeah.
1: Uh, who's the other team left in the east that you didn't mention?
0: Uh, we got App State and, oh, and Coastal guys, Carolina. Oh, App State, All the way App the State end. Rebuilding Year and Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Wyoming, that's just you a tough to break. Tough
1: break. You hate to you hate to see it. And hey,
0: look, don't go listen to the Adam Witten um App State radio call. Don't go do that online because it's not funny. It's
1: not it's, You probably should drop a link just so people know to avoid.
0: Don't it. go to at podcast grits when you're listening to this on Twitter and listen to that because it's sad. It'll ruin your day. Wyoming had no business winning that game. And you know what? App state has never played in a football game where a blocked field goal at the end has mattered. Never. (laughs) All right. Moving Uh, on. So so South Alabama is at Jimmy Madison this week. Mike. John Carr is the number one real estate agent in Savannah and he's been our segment sponsor for a while now. We support him. You guys should too. 912-228-0916. If you want to buy real estate in the Savannah area, if you want to sell it or just learn learn more about the market, Johnny is your guy. Give him a call. 912-228-0916. Tell him the Hot Grids podcast sent you and he will hook it up. Forget about the polls. Like... Talk about irrelevant at this time of year especially when you're in the you know 55 to 75 range and a lot of rankings i i want to look at like sp plus or like i want to look at like formulaic stuff that doesn't have a lot of human um bias in it and georgia southern after that ball state win they vaulted up a lot of these sabermetric rankings for instance espn fpi Mike, uh, this is my nugget of the week, by the way, so clear up a spot if you don't mind. Um, ESPN-FPI, Georgia Southern jumped 19 spots to number 69 this week in the ESPN-FPI, so that's nice. They are number 69 in the Football Power Index. What do you think about that, Mike? 19 spots, they jumped.
1: Uh, Very nice, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you beat a team so thoroughly and completely as they did to Ball State. I, I mean, I I agree with you. Ball State did not look like a a good football team in They're any terrible. sense of the word. They're terrible. I mean, not to get on UGA, but how did they <laughs> it w- was that one of those where they pay the boxer, you know you're going to win. We're not paying you to take a dive, but you got to carry him into the fifth round so uh so we get all our advertising yeah. money No, yeah, I mean, Georgia
0: happened? just played terrible I and mean, I can't like dude, watching Georgia this year is they know it the other team knows that the announcer is just so bored they just play b minus and then and right. then their dudes eventually just like they just have more stars
1: i mean yeah they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna blow up a bunch of 75 yard plays on they you, should though. but they're also they have those type of players
0: right. like they should be killing these teams and playing well but they're not at, like
1: But, like, they're going to lose a game if they play like – Also, it should be said that they they ain't played nobody and will continue to play. Mike, they haven't played a road game. Yeah, it won't matter. Look at who they're playing. I know, but – The best teams on their schedule are what? Spencer Radler, a a Tennessee team that looks terrible and is down a Heisman caliber But what's their incentive? Why should they
0: schedule difficult? They start at number
1: one. They could play south. Oh, this isn't a criticism about a conference scheduling because everybody does that if you have the ability. My whole thing is why should they get any credit for beating anyone in the SEC this year? Well, unless it's LSU or Bama, but they don't have them on the schedule. You do this all the time. It's
0: because because the SEC doesn't have like several juggernauts, but the middle of the SEC is not comparable. It's not close. They are far and away the best conference in the country. It's not close. Ah, uh, not at all. Like, if year. you look at every single saber metric ranking date, it's not close. It's not close. Like, if you talk about top 40 teams, it is close. If you talk about like top 90 teams, it's not close. Not close. There is no power fi- There is no SEC team that's like below. I think Vandy would probably be the lowest. And I think they are. This week, SP Plus, Vandy is 81, right behind Georgia Southern at 78. Mike and SP Plus, guess who's number 79 behind Clay Helton's Eagles, um, the team out in Colorado, Deion Sanders' Buffaloes. Mm, That's tough. God, let's play. You know what? Let's get Georgia Southern versus Colorado in
1: a bowl game. That'd be nice. Oh, my
0: God. You think I would make that, that teleconference? for bowl week i I would
1: just i'd be all for just a straight trip to colorado of course can you imagine yeah you know me (laughs) Uh, but i was about to say can you imagine the the combined smoking culture of uh boulder with the incoming drinking culture of uh georgia Southern? holy christ that'd be that'd be a whole scene jesus it could go really good or really bad and it's tough to say how that'd be so awesome the hot grits bowl. Well, it's like I. I wish I could have been in Wisconsin. I, I mean, I think that oh, Madison as is a much of us. a scare as much of a scare as Georgia Southern gave them on the football field. Did you monitor some of the social media posts on uh, Friday night? No, dude, because we. Oh,
0: on Friday night,
1: we put a we put a scare into some of the habitual problematic alcoholics of the uh, greater Madison area. Did you? They, they did, were they were impressed.
0: Did you report on it and tweet about it for the hot grits podcast?
1: Uh, you don't pay me on weekends. Wow. Wow. Um, all
0: right. FPI rankings continued, which I like this rankings. Coaches like it, which tells me that it matters. I mean, I don't, I didn't play football at a high level. So I'll just trust what coaches trust and they trust this kind of stuff. Um, Georgia Southern 69th in FPI. Nice. Coastal Carolina 70th. So it doesn't get closer than this. Marshall leads the conference at 57. The computers continue to like Marshall. I like Marshall, but they just don't. They still have yet to like – they've had a lot of weird games where they are close to losing to really bad teams, and then they win by
1: 14. Um, Mike, this was in- – I don't know all the metrics that go into those things, but I would think that it still skews towards the old uh, adages of Marshall can run the ball – and they play good defense.
0: Yeah. it's at, FPI is it, it, a lot of it is based on like, it's a lot of stuff that I don't understand, but the way it was described to me, Mike, th- that I like keep in my head is how much, how much of a time during any game, like what percentage of the time are you favored to win? Like, are you expected to win? Does that make does and, and that, that make sense? sense? Like, like be, if you start as yeah. an underdog, you're not punished. Because you're already at 0%. Like you're not – you're doing what you were expected to do. But like when you play better and the win probability increases, it helps your FPI. And
1: that makes sense for the style of play. Because if you get a couple stops with your good defense, now you start shortening the game, limiting possessions because you keep it on the ground, keep the clock Mm -hmm. moving. There's fewer ways to have disaster happen if you're keeping it on the ground. So, yeah, I can see where a team like that, you know, with, with straight option teams, you know you have propensity for disaster with bad pitches and all that. But if you're just a hard nosed team that can grind out first downs and shorten the game, then yeah, it's going to be a whole lot uh, harder for you to to really screw around and lose by thirty. Agreed. Um, all right,
0: seven o three kickoff, Paulson Stadium could be a sellout. Uh NFL Network,
1: that's pretty cool, Mike. Um You know it's big time when they give you the uh like the prime number uh start time.
0: I love that, dude. I love looking in the game notes to see what time it starts. It just gives you an added level level of credibility. This things kicking off at seven oh two PM Eastern Daily Time. Um mm-hmm. Eastern Daylight Time?
1: Uh it will be Eastern Daylight Time still. Correct, correct. Okay. First weekend in November, we we turn the clocks back, and then it becomes Eastern Standard Time. All right. Uh, These are the things I provide as an intern. No, that's
0: really well done, Mike, and I'm definitely not going to edit that out. Yeah. You have my word on that. <laughs> um, all right, Mike, I have some notes. I did a Georgia Southern like rundown notebook for Connect Savannah this week. ConnectSavannah.com, by the way, if you want to read that. Um, so I'm just going to read you off um, a few Stats and notes that I had, and then you can tell me if any of them are nugget worthy. Um, Sunbelt over the Mac, I have here, uh, a stat from SP Plus is pretty incredible. The Sunbelt is quickly becoming like we all argued that it was the best G5 conference. It's quickly becoming where you have to argue, like, who's the second best because it's not really that close. The Sunbelt is closer right now to the ACC in SP plus than they are to any of the G five conferences. They're sixth overall. So they're the top G five conference in SP plus, um, like 1.3 per team. They jumped this week, Mike, which is a crazy number. You would, they move by decimal points. And I think it's a lot like the SEC. And we're about to find this out. Is that the middle of the Sunbelt is going to be really good. Mike, Georgia Southern hasn't played. Here's another little note here. They played eight one-possession games last year, eight games of eight points or less. They haven't played in a game like that yet. The closest margin, win or loss, has been 14 points. So they really haven't entered a fourth quarter with a game on the line. I mean, Wisconsin, but not really. That game was over. Um, are you worried about that at all, that they haven't really been like four-quarter tested yet?
1: Yeah. Sorry there. You gave me two different nuggets. Oh, I yeah. Was sorry making about up that. The- well I was making up a, a nugget scale on the fly.
0: I could give you like a I, um, I like it, a to go box or something.
1: Well, that, well that's what I'm saying.' Is the, the first stat there uh, about just how far the sunbelts come, I would that, that's off the the regular uh, menu. That's going into like McDonald's, you know you can order a 50 piece that's a 50 piece nugget. Right. Just considering how far down the sunbelt was 10 years ago, Sunbelt was an absolute joke. Yeah, like there's a – as proud as I was of what the 2014 Georgia Southern team could do going in there, going 8-0, winning the conference outright in its first year, there's a reason that they were able to do that as an FCS upstart. And No offense to James Madison last year, but they were probably a better team than the 2014 Georgia Southern team in a better conference, but they also lost a couple games. So the, the fact that the Sun Belt is so highly regarded now – based on where it was when Georgia Southern first got involved with it, that's a 50-piece nugget. Um, As for the tight games that you mentioned, uh, yeah, there definitely is something to be seen. Um, There's something that people want to find out about Georgia Southern. You're not going to get through an entire season without playing a real tight game. And one thing that has looked okay so far, but definitely still has question marks, is the kicking situation. Uh, Not as much range, not as much, consistency not as much uh uh stuff on paper stuff on film as you've seen before whether it's field goals whether it's coverage whether it's punting all of it's moved to tick down and you know that's not a big deal when it's a three possession game in the fourth quarter it's going to get a lot hairier if uh if you're hanging on to a lead or maybe trying to drive to to take a lead in the final minutes Hmm. so i'd I'd rate that as a i'd rate that as like a a uh six-piece nugget well, that's, a, I mean,
0: you're getting it off the value You, Mike. You get what you pay for. No offense, dog. Yeah.
1: Um, well, but if it's at the end of the game. It could be a spicy
0: Well, night. Mike, I got to push back a little bit. What, um, you want to be more specific on what worries you about the special teams? Michael Lance, eight of nine field goals. Um, he is six of six inside of 40, uh, which I, which I've always said, like, give me a rock solid guy inside of 40, and then give me a guy that can make six to seven out of 10 over that like you can't expect much more than that at the g5 level i don't think i mean eight of nine field goals is pretty good punting yeah the average is in great 38.7 that's certainly not anthony beck he's only got one punt this this australian alex uh of 50 or more so not a big leg kickoffs they got then- 21 touchbacks
1: um 21 out of 27 touchbacks and that's kind of my point. Is just uh, of what you know everybody saw in the spring and in fall camp. It, it was a tick below what people were used to. Granted, Georgia Southern's been a little spoiled. Beck had some absolute rockets he got off. You had uh, a who you know still has eligibility. He he left the program. He went in the transfer portal. So you know you have worries there, especially when Lance didn't look that great early on but credit to him and to the coaching staff you're right he absolutely has looked like a solid kicker and i'm i'm totally with you on that point i don't need a college kicker who can hit from 60 uh, i mean it's nice and all shout out missouri hmm. but uh, you're right if you can just if you get the ball to the 25 yard line you should and you can feel pretty good about getting points that's all you can really hope for at this level.
0: Georgia Southern on the year has t- 38 total drives. Um, opponents also have 38 total drives. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the average drive start, Mike, I thought was interesting. 30 yard line, 30.1 for Georgia Southern, 25 for opponents. Now, look, that might be like you, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when most in today's college football, when most kickoffs are going to the end zone, 25 is pretty much, it's going to be 25 point something. It's going to be your average. Georgia Southern is up over 30, 30.1. Not only that, on the kickoff, they're at 28.9. They're almost getting to the 29 yard line and getting five extra yards every time.
1: Uh, yeah, Cobb's going to break one at some point. Cobb
0: has looked really good. He leads the team in all purpose yards.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be uh, – I don't know if Sunbelt has a specific return man of the year. It might just be special teams player of the year, but he's got to be in the early running for it. He he looks like a No, third. Mike,
0: he doesn't play in Louisiana. Yeah, I know. Did you listen to that interview I did with um, Dave Schultz of Locked on Sunbelt? Uh, you don't pay me for that either. <laughs> well, dude, immediately, like two minutes into the interview, and you guys can check it out. It's a few episodes back. Yeah. Um, Dave Schultz locked on Sunbelt. He does a good job and it's a good way to catch up with, with the league as a whole. But he started the th- interview. We were talking about the Sunbelt media days and he was like, you know, it's, a, it's in a good place. It's centrally located. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not centrally. I was like, we exist out here too. Why can't they have it in Atlanta? He was like, oh, it's way, that's way too far east. That's what he said. That's the way they think about it. Like, <laughs> That's, that Louisiana is somehow central in the Sun Belt just because there's one Texas team. Well,
1: well, you just got to remember what the footprint used to be.
0: Well, I know, but we just got done discussing how the Sun Belt is not a shit conference anymore.
1: Right, exactly, and that's what I'd have thrown right back at him. So it. let's
0: stop. Yeah, I, let's stop going back, to, back when. I mean, that place is a Western dump. Western anyway.
1: Kentucky and Middle Tennessee and North Texas. Yeah, I get it. It was way further west, and you were way further south than the standings.
0: And it's like, who's winning the league? Let's get close to those guys. I, I don't think there's a lot of Louisiana teams winning this league
1: of late. I'm pretty sure we'd have to go back into the record books. I think North Texas won the Sun Belt one year with the 6-6 six and six right Um
0: on. Let's put uh, – let's see. Let's put Intern Oliver on that one, if you don't mind. Record books. Give me the paper version record book, PDF, print it off. All 700 pages of the Sun Belt media guide. Um, defense, Mike. What's Tre- –
1: Travis shit unknown environment
0: hater. Oh, thank you. The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Crits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street. Lady and Sons, you guys probably know the name. They have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9, is the number for Lady and Sons. Find them on Facebook and ladyandsons.com. Okay, leading tackler for Georgia Southern, 35 tackles. You want to guess who it is? It's pretty easy.
1: Okay, I'll take that. Marcus. Sorry, I was dealing with an outside disturbance.
0: You don't have to apologize, guy. You don't have to apologize. Marcus Watson-Trent, 35 total tackles. Number two, Kadri Jackson, 17 tackles.
1: (sighs) He's got twice as many tackles as the second-place guy, and we've played four games. He is everywhere, and I think it's a testament to the the new defense. They said they were going to be more aggressive, and I think the linebacking core is really where you see it. They're letting loose on not just blitzes and aggressiveness overall, but they're lining up in different spots. They seem to— to be doing a little bit more than just uh, it seemed like last year, especially when injuries mounted, they kind of went into just a, a standard shell in that three-three-five they were playing. Everybody just kind of was standing in place and we, trying to hit whoever came by them. And this year they're going to the which ball. is cool if if you have like a really solid eleven guys at defense, but Georgia
0: Southern just like if we're all frank, they don't they don't have. And they might this year, actually, but they're not playing that way. But they didn't have the guys at that time to do the bend don't break. I think under Scott Sloan originally, like with Vildor and Brinson on the outside, and Raymond Johnson on the line, and
1: exactly, yeah. you had a guy at each level that could take away. Yeah, that you could
0: just play shell way. cover two. I mean, you could just do that. And they're doing
1: now. You got to get more creative, but I think that they do have the athleticism, if not the experience yet, to if you align good players with the right call. That's where you're right. seeing some big plays. And, and
0: But I've heard other – I don't remember what other um, – it might have been Cody and them on Talk, which I listened to. I think those guys do a good job. Um, they were talking about the defense, and they were saying, like, you know, as long as they don't let Coastal go on – you know, have quick scoring drives, make them go the distance, that's not the kind – like, respectfully disagree. That's not the kind of defense this defense is. That's what Clay Helton wants to get away from. They do not want to be a bend, don't break. They don't want to make you go like they don't, they're not the kind of defense. It's like, let's make them go 20 plays. No, the last yeah, thing I've... they want, they want to try to get the ball back. And if they score, they score, exactly. but at, at the very least, like either they score and we get the ball back or they don't score and we get the ball back, but we can't have them holding the ball forever while we let them drive because then your offense, your high-flying offense is rendered useless.
1: I totally agree, and the irony in it is that the last Georgia Southern coach to have that mentality was probably Paul Johnson, who ran a totally different offense, but he was of the same mindset. It was, you guys do whatever you want on defense. Just give me the ball back one way or the other, and I'll figure out a way to have one more point at the end
0: That's of the That's right. Game. That's right, and I like that. Um, all right, Mike, we'll, we'll close up here uh, for Georgia Southern – FPI projects seven point nine wins. They give them a ninety-four percent chance to make a bowl game. Is it safe to say, Mike, if Georgia Southern doesn't make a bowl game this year, if there's going to be something has gone terribly,
1: terribly wrong? Is that right? Uh, I I would tentatively agree. You have to win
0: two. Because, you have to win two more games.
1: Yeah. Well, simply yeah, but simply because no one knows exactly what's behind of Bryn at the quarterback position. And there's simply no way to execute the offense if you don't have competency at least. And I'm not saying that uh, French doesn't have it. I'm just saying that we've seen, what, six, seven snaps in a in an already decided fourth quarter road game in a hostile venue where I would assume his marching orders were throw it to the first yeah. guy or just, so, you, you know, agree. There's beatable teams. I, I think seven wins might be, a low projection at this point, especially if they take care of this 9. Of weekend. 7.9. Sorry. Yeah. So I mean, it's basically what that eight. Mean? Someone picks a field goal at the end of it. Does that mean you pull an app state? No. Like it's. You it's snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. No. Uh, like the simulation. Way. I know how decimals work.
0: Let me explain to you how the repeating three works in 6.33, Mike, let me tell you this. Uh, I think 19% chance to win the division sounds low. But when you consider that they started at 8%, it's not that low. Um, I'll let you go, Mike. I've kept it for a while. Red zone touchdown, Georgia Southern, 12 touchdowns, 22 trips. Maybe that's what you were hitting on earlier um, as far as the field goals go. Um, 12 out of 22 touchdowns, not exactly great. Um, All right. Do you want to leave us with a prediction, Mike? Uh,
1: Yeah. I think uh, think they got to start hot, Uh, you know. They were a better team than Ball State. I don't think that game was ever endangered, But the way that they just came out with two big touchdown drives, shut them down right away, didn't let them breathe, that set the tone. And it won't be nearly as easy to do it against Coastal, but it's still possible. I think that if they can make a big play on McCall with that defense and have a couple of clean drives get up two scores, I think they can run away with it. Uh, Not certain that's what's going to happen, but either way – I think they turned this into a two-score game. I'm going to go with Georgia Southern 31, Coastal 23, which is a one-score game. Coastal 22. Don't know how we're going to get to 22, but it's going to be 31-22.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. Whatever it takes, just just mold it like clay, dude. Whatever it takes to That's fit right. your narrative. Well, I just
1: had to shave the uh, ninth point in there to make it a two-score <laughs> game. Yeah,
0: just get that narrative to fit. Um, I think there's going to be some scoring. Yeah, I, I, like, uh, I like Georgia Southern to win. I'm going to say Georgia Southern, 38, Coastal, 28. 38-28, Georgia Southern. And look, all of this for me, Mike, we didn't talk enough about this, is contingent on Jalen White playing. Davis Brin is important. I like OJ Arnold, but he, ain't a, he is not a – number one back in the Sun Belt all year long. You can't rely on just him. They need Jalen White to be healthy. I think he will be healthy-ish this week, and he's going to play.
1: Yeah, he absolutely does need to play if they want to do anything more than qualify for a bowl. If they have any intention of competing for a division or conference title, uh, maybe maybe sneaking a few votes in the poll here or there, they're going to need a healthy Jalen White. I'm not convinced that he couldn't have gone last week. I honestly think that the coaches saw something on tape that made them say, hey, uh, he's at least out for the first quarter and then we'll see if we need him. And obviously they did not need much of anybody last week. No. No, Mike, you and I could have gone and drawn plays. We could have got some rips. Yep. Well. Could have got some rips in there. I mean,
0: I'm an athlete. As you know, the honorable mention um, nominee in uh, 2010, 5.3 per game. Mike, October 26, Georgia State. If they're both undefeated, do you want to go to that game?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, how are we going to go back in time and fix the undefeated portion of Georgia Southern? Schedule? No, no. You talking sun about Sunbelt undefeated? Sunbelt. Okay, okay. I'm um, just Samantha. Wow. Well done. Us interns, we just need to get the facts straight. Well done. Straight. Just give it to them straight. But, uh, yeah, we can maybe arrange that. It's going to be Bedlam if that happens. When would we have That's to tell a...
0: Brian? Um, I would have to, uh, I guess. I usually just show up on his porch at night. <laughs> and he seems to enjoy that. Oh, it my out. God, dude. October. So we, okay. Well,
1: well. It's a Thursday. Yeah, day. we'll touch
0: base. I guess we would have to tell them before ULM, which is October twenty. So we'll have to tell them by like mid October. So let's touch base after G- Jimmy Madison, October fourteenth.
1: Well, we'll we'll say this. How about you and I just commit to if they win this week. If they beat James Madison, we just put in right then. As soon as that game goes if final, they beat James it's James Madison, 7, 5 and one Yeah, if they're 5-1, and 1, okay. regardless of Georgia State, I think it's going to be a scene. Okay, let's shake
0: on it virtually. I'm going to spit on my hand.
1: I had already sliced mine open. It's bleeding pretty bad. Oh, I see that. Yeah, you got to take care of that.
0: BANA's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA, is owned and operated by Ross Howard. And together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players. Full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282. And visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility. Ross Howard, our guy. Give him a call. 912-484-5282.